The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to invite all of our kids in the room to come, and they're going to join me for a little bit of Advent story time. We're going to share together. They have had a really special beginning of Advent with something we're calling Advent Camp. Is that right, Lucas? Have you had Advent Camp so far? And so our kids are learning a lot about what the Advent season is like. You guys can come right up here with me. I would love for you to sit right up here. Can you sit right here with me? Perfect. Here you go, Grace Louise, sit right here. You guys can come all around me. Here you go. You guys can come right up here. We have more room for kids up here, whoever would like. There you go, climb on up. You guys can climb on up here. And I would love to tell you an Advent story. And I'm curious, I wonder, I wonder, who do you think is important in the Advent story? Jesus. Jesus is really important. You were. You were. I would love to tell you, if you'd like to hear it, a story about three babies. Can I tell you a story about three babies? Does, does, anyone, have a, does anyone have a baby in your house? Isn't it amazing? Babies... There, she's not a baby anymore. She's a big girl. Let me, tell you, let me tell you the story of three babies. The first baby, you will probably guess who that baby is. This is baby Jesus. And what's important in this season that we're going to celebrate about Jesus? Christmas. Christmas, which is what? Jesus' birthday. birthday. So we're going to celebrate, and this is baby Jesus. And then I want to tell you a story about another baby. Let me see if I can find that baby. This is this baby. Would you like to hold this baby for me? This baby, he was born on Christmas, and this baby is Jesus' cousin. You guys have cousins? Can you imagine if you had a cousin that was good at everything and that had perfect behavior and could turn water into apple juice? Like, that would be a pretty cool cousin to have, wouldn't it? But you would always, you would always feel like, like it's hard to be better than your cousin, right? Your cousin's Jesus. But this cousin of Jesus was named, does anybody know his name? His, it's close, it starts with a J. His name was John. And John was Jesus' cousin. And you know what was so special about John? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to see if the adults know. John was the only one that knew the secret that Jesus was, in fact, God. And John, even when he was a baby in his mommy's tummy, can you imagine this? This is what the Bible tells us, that John was inside of his mom's tummy, and Jesus was inside of Mary, his mom's tummy, and they were together And John knew that he was with God, and he got really excited and started dancing around inside of his mom because he knew the secret that God had come. And so John, would you like to hold John? John was really, really important. Now I'm going to tell you about a different baby, and this baby would be hard to guess because this baby was born 
270 years after Jesus. 270 years after Jesus. They called this, this baby, his parents called him, Nick. Baby Nick. And this is what we know about Nick. Nick, you want to see him? This is what baby Nick looked like. He was just a little baby. And this is what his parents told us. Do you, do you know this story? Baby Nick was so unique. He was like a lot of you guys. And that baby Nicholas, he loved God so much. You could just tell from the time he was a baby, he loved God. In fact, one day his parents were giving him a bath. He was in a little bathtub. And he was laying down. And he stood up straight in the bathtub. And he didn't even have words yet. But he said, praise the Lord. And then he laid back down in the bathtub. And it was at that moment that his parents knew, this is a really special baby. And you know what happened as he got older? He loved Christmas so much. He, he loved, and this is what he loved. He knew about a passage in the Bible. Have you guys heard of this passage? Nicholas heard about a passage in the Bible. And in this passage, Jesus tells us, because we don't see Jesus, right? And we, don't, and we wonder, like, how would we give, if we love Jesus, how do we give Jesus a gift? And this is what Jesus said in the Bible. He said, if you ever find someone who's thirsty and you give them water, you gave me water. If you ever find someone who's hungry and you give them food, you gave me food. So if we're going to give a gift to Jesus, what should we do? We should give food and water to people that need it, right? And did you know, I wonder if you knew this, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in Advent camp. Did you know there are a lot of places in the world, some that I've visited recently, where kids are drinking, they're drinking from water, they're, in Turkey they were doing it. In Turkey they have places where they're drinking from like a stream or a puddle or a ditch. And they're drinking water that's really dirty. In Africa, they are. They're drinking water that's really dirty. And what happens when you drink dirty water is you get really sick. You get a lot of different kinds of sicknesses. There's a lot of kinds that you get. And so what we want to do this Christmas is give a gift to Jesus by bringing clean water to people. I got one last question for you, and then I want us to say a prayer. Will you think about this with me? Has anybody had a really big birthday party before? Like a big one, right? So imagine, imagine next year, imagine this, next year you have an even bigger birthday party. More people than you, you, you have people coming you do, didn't even remember and they're all coming and they all have gifts. Does that sound like a fun party? And they all walk in with these big gifts and it's a really big birthday party and everyone's having fun. And then it's time to exchange the gifts and it's your birthday party, and they start giving the gifts to each other, and no one gives any gifts to you on your birthday. Can you imagine, how would you feel if you had a big birthday party and you didn't get any gifts? You'd feel sad. You'd feel sad. And this is what I wonder. How do you think Jesus would feel if we celebrated Jesus' birthday and we forgot to give gifts to him, and we just gave gifts to each other? That would feel really sad for Jesus, wouldn't it? So what we're going to, I'm ask your parents to think about is what would it look like for all of us to give the biggest gift that we give this Christmas to Jesus? Yeah, say it again. 
Yeah, it's Jesus' birthday. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to say a prayer. And this is what we want to do this Christmas. I want you to give the best gifts you can give. In Advent Camp, we're going to talk about how to give your parents really great gifts that aren't even expensive. But they're just really, they can be things that you make that they would love. But what we want to do is give our best gift to Jesus. So what I would love for you to do now, would you grab the hand of somebody close to you? And if you're here, you can grab, we can grab multiple hands and you can hold a couple of hands. Would you hold my hand here? Thank you. And then as we hold hands, this is what I'm going to pray for you. God, will you help these amazing kids to have the best Christmas ever? And we pray that we would give some really good gifts and that the gifts that we give at our church would bring clean water to people that might have been drinking from rivers and streams and they're every day they're sick to their stomach. But when we give a gift and we gather our money together and we drill a water well for them, that they get to go to school every day and their stomach feeling better and they're feeling stronger and they're not sick. And we pray that that gift would last a very, very long time. We pray this together as kids and parents and a whole family. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Will you guys give some thoughts to that gift and while we give that gift? And we'll talk more about it at Advent Camp. Grown-ups, will you thank these kids for being amazing? They are so great and so thoughtful. All right, you guys can go to your class now. You've been really, really excellent. There is so much that I love at Christmas, and we will be gathering, by the way, on Christmas Eve, and we will have, um, good to see you, sweetie. Love you. Love you. Oh, thank you. You took good care of baby John. Thank you, Riley. You were the sweetest. I'm going to put baby John right here. One of the things I love most about um, talking to the kids, I don't know if you guys realize this, but you pay better attention to me when I'm talking to kids than when I'm talking to you. <laughs> when I actually look at you and talk to you like this, most of you are on your phones. But when I talk to the kids like this, you're all paying close attention. I'm going to start preaching like this all the time. I always wanted to be Mr. Rogers, really, if I can be honest. He's the greatest. Um, what was I going to tell you? I was just telling you about Christmas. When we gather uh, this year, uh, we will gather, by the way, on Christmas Eve, and I will get to pull the kids together for our story. It's one of the traditional things we're doing. If you're a liturgist and you're really following the church calendar, you'll notice that we're a little off. We're celebrating Advent week a little bit early because the last week of Advent really falls on Christmas Eve, and we're not going to do enough services to do another Advent week and our Christmas Eve services, and we want to get it all in, and our kids get the fullness of Advent camp, and you get all the Advent messages. So we bumped it up a week because when we gather on Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate as we we all often do on Christmas Eve. Our candlelight service, a story for the kids. Those times, by the way, some of you are asking, it's a Sunday, but we won't be meeting in the morning at the typical times. Downtown, we'll be here at 2, 4, and 6. And on the west side, you could even come on Saturday, which I highly recommend, by the way. Every week we have a 5 p.m. service on Saturday there, and it's super fun. Uh, 5 p.m. out there, it's a beautiful campus uh, on Saturday. And then on the west side, we'll be there at 1 and 3. So those will be the times that we're going to gather. I got a question for you a little different than the question for the kids. I wonder if you could throw out 
all the ways that you grade and create expectations for this season. I, my built-in assumption now as an adult is that December, because of our expectations, it's become, it's a great month. But for many of us, it naturally becomes a month of disappointment. There's no way to live up to the expectations. And some things, right, are just never gonna be the way you draw them up in your head. No matter what you do, if you got young kids, if you got older kids, whatever you draw up in your head, it's just not gonna happen. And there are times, right, that it hits. Last year was one for me. The family schedules and the way kids float and, and when my wife can be with me. And, and we literally, last year, Christmas Eve, was perfect. She did, by the way, all six services with me, going back and forth to every service. And I had said, if we got through all the services, we were going to treat ourselves to Papa's Brother's Steakhouse, which was like, for me, was it's the ultimate. Like, I get to stare at my beautiful wife while I eat Papa's Brother's Steakhouse. And in part, because for me, other Christmas Eves didn't go that way. The Christmas Eve before and the one before that, when your kids get older, right? When your kids are younger, you tell them what to do on Christmas Eve, and they do what you tell them. And then they hit about 14 and they're like, I'm telling you what I'm doing on Christmas Eve and you'll be lucky if you ever see me. And, uh, and that's kind of how it goes. So to the Christmas before that, uh, I went to one of my favorite restaurants in Chinatown. And uh, this is one of my, it's, it's a little wine bar that no longer exists, but it was one of my favorites. And it was a great night. They have sushi. They have a lot of my favorite food. They had one of my favorite musicians. His name's hard to pronounce. So he always says, just call me Chinese Kenny G. And that's what I call him, Chinese Kenny G. And he's got all the saxophones and he plays all the, the Kenny G songs. And I love that night, right? It's a great experience. But you know what? If you do it by yourself on Christmas Eve, it's not as fun. And there are times, right, that you're going to hit moments this year and you're going to go, it's just not how I draw it up. It's just, it's not what I would expect. And this is what I'd like to suggest to you. It's just, that's how it's going to be. Kristen has this gift of like hospitality. We have all the kids together and we just got together at Thanksgiving and had this massive feast and she made all these things. And literally we sat down at the table and the first words that came out of her mouth were, I forgot to make hash brown casserole. And it was like the only thing she could see was the one thing she thought she messed up. Anybody else like that here? That just like, any of you never raise your hand no matter what question I ask you? <laughs> How many human beings are in the room today? Four, thank you. Um, there's this voice in our head. And for many of us, it's just telling us like, you didn't get your kids the right gift and you didn't get the decorations out on time. You didn't do this right. And this is what I wanna ask you to do. Would you throw all of that garbage away? And this Christmas, would you judge whether this Christmas and this Advent season is meaningful and beautiful based on one thing? And it's one of our tenets for Advent Conspiracy. Did you seek to love all people this Christmas? I got to tell you right now, the world that we live in desperately needs Christian love. It needs it bad. It's a broken world. People, people are feeling lost and isolated and alone. You've got more opportunities. Literally, if you're at a gas station pumping gas, turn around and look the other way, and there's somebody pumping gas that their life is a mess. And literally, a kind word or a, hey, I'm buying myself a coffee. Would you like a coffee, right? You ever get in those moments where you're, you're giving a gift and people are just like, who are you? 
I, I have a lot of kids that live in my, my building and, and I've just learned, we have this new pizza place. It's really good if you're actually over in Sharpstown, come Shar- uh, Spanky's Pizza. And on Mondays, it's $9.99 for a large pizza and it's actually really good pizza. So I just buy extra pizzas and I come back and there'll be some kids playing, right? And these kids are always looking at me like, who's this weird middle-aged guy that's giving out pizza? Like, what's the story? Like, who does that, right? We got free stuff from the Astros. I bring, they're just like, who are you? Why do you do this, right? And, and there's this thing that ought to happen in the season where we throw out some love in the world in a way that truly changes it. So I want to invite you. We've got these four tenets that we talk about at Advent, and we're going to hit them out of order this year because I would like this one to be the foundation for how we judge our Christmas. We've said we want to be a people in this season that worship fully, and worship ought to be a big part of what we do. I hope you'll gather. You've got to worship with us on Christmas Eve. We've got to be here on the weekend. We gotta, it's a great time to read devotionals and to pray. This is a great season for that, and to contemplate the gift that is Jesus, that we want to worship fully. And we said we want to be a people that spend less. Could we all agree that no one should ever go into debt because Jesus was born? Could we agree that that's stupid? Like, and, and it's always stupid, but this year, your credit card interest is like 38% or something, right? That'd be a really dumb thing to do, is to purchase things on a credit card that would add stress to your next year. That, that's not a good idea. So we said we want to be people that worship fully, that spend less, but that give more. I, you can give great gifts without spending a lot of money. In fact, this is what I tell you, gifts are awesome. When you get a gift that says to someone, I know you and I see you, right? It can change the way you see the world. You feel loved. There are certain things that people get, you wear them or you're just reminded like, I feel loved by that person. We ought to give gifts. And then we've said this, we want to be a people, and this is what we're going to talk about, that love everyone. We live in a world filled with tribalism where there are a lot of people saying, I'll love these people. Or even some of the political, so like America first, we'll love us, but you know what? The rest of the people and Christians uniquely, that's an amen back there. I love having kids in this room. They give you feedback. You guys just stare at me. The kids are like, he's saying something important right now, right? The rest of the world's tribal and they don't love everyone, but Jesus actually loved everyone. So what does it look like to be a people in this season that our love is so prophetic that people stand back and go, that's what the world needs. So in in 1 John, and this is what you need to know, I'm going to read you a passage, and I think it's one of the most beautiful and important passages in the Bible. And it's written by uh, John the Apostle. He was a disciple, but you'll notice when you read his books, John and the epistles of John, he doesn't call himself by his name. Have you noticed that? He calls himself what? The beloved disciple, the disciple Jesus loved. And sometimes you read it and you act like, is he acting like Jesus didn't love everybody else? Or like, and he kind of gets braggadocious in, his, in the gospel that he writes. Like there's the resurrection story and he keeps saying, he says three times in one passage that he runs faster than Peter. He just wants you to know, like I'm a fast runner and Jesus loves me. Like these are the things you need to know about me. But this is what I propose to you, that John would say that because John spent time with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, you feel so loved. You ought to wake up in the morning this month and read a devotional and take a minute to pray and be reminded you're loved by the God that made you, right? And John got it. Anybody have a friend like that, that when you're with them, you think you're their only friend? Like you're just, they really, they just, they're so good to you. They're focused on you. They're not doing, they're just good at it. Jesus was better than anyone at it. 
And so John is constantly saying in his book, like, we need to love like Jesus loves. So in 1 John, this is what he says. He says, we know what true love looks like because of Jesus. He gave his life for us, and he calls us to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. If a person owns the kind of things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Now, Ecclesia, as Western Christians, this is a hard passage. If we refuse, if we have the means to be helpful to others, and yet we refuse, he said, is the love of God in us? He says, this is how you know if, if you walk with God. Do you love? Do you share? Now, this part is hard for me personally because I know that I have an amount of extra that is obscene to the rest of the world. And probably you were the same. You'll remember that same John that we talked about with the kids. You remember his standard of what he said about having too much? He said, if you have two coats, you should give one to the poor. And most of us are like, did he mean two Navy suede coats? If you have, because you got to have a Navy coat and a Navy suede coat. And you got to have like, there's, you got to, I mean, we got to have a lot of coats in our society, right? So, I mean, how many, like, how many coats is too many? Anybody want to decide for us? Like, how many is too many? I don't know, but I think we got to engage it. We got to think about it. If we just look at what we have in our garage or in our closet that we don't use and realize like that could make a difference for people in other places in the world. So John says, if you want to know the love of God is in you, just share, then what you've been given, share it. He says, my little children, don't just talk about love as an idea or a theory. Make it your true way of life and live the pattern of gracious love. Or my friend Bob Goff would say, love does. Love is going to do something. Love does, isn't something you think about or meditate on. It's something that leads you to action. You're going to do something. He said, his command is clear. <clears throat> or there's a sure way for us to know that we belong to the truth. Even though our inner thoughts may condemn us with storms of guilt. This is what we were talking about earlier. I'm never going to do it enough. I never do it well enough. Christmas isn't going to be right. I didn't make the hash brown casserole. I did this wrong or that wrong. And he says, tune those things out. What we want to do is focus on, he says, my loved ones, if our hearts cannot condemn us, and they can't, then we can stand with confidence before God. Whatever we may ask, we receive it from him because we follow his commands and take the path that pleases him. His command is clear. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus the anointed, and love one another as he commanded. Isn't it good news that faith is actually pretty simple? This path we walk, it's not super complicated. You don't have to be a theologian. Just love people the way God loved. The one who follows his teaching and walks this path lives in an intimate relationship with God. How do we know that he lives in us? By the gift of his spirit. So I want to give you just a few categories as we think about trying to love all people. What does this look like? Because there's a few things we have to remember. First, there are people in our lives that are easy to love, or they're easier to love, I should say. Nobody's easy to love all the time. If you share a bathroom with someone, they are going to be hard to love at some point, right? There's just a nature of sharing one sink. That's why once you get enough money, you have multiple sinks, and you're like, you, you're thrilled to say that is your space and this is my space and I can love you easier now that I have my own space. Right? But the closer we are, the harder it is. 
There are people that were easy to love. Some of those people are people we created, right? Anybody have a moment as a parent? Like when my, my boys, particularly like between 13 and 15, like, why do I love these kids so much? Like, I can't figure it out. They have pretty much two emotions, like lust and anger. That's all they've got. And yet I love them. Like I really genuinely love them. Uh, there are people in our lives that they're just, they're, we're going to love them, right? And that's part of what we're going to do. So what are the obstacles to loving those people? One of the first ones is just being distracted. Would you try to do away with some distractions in this season? One of the best things you could do spiritually and for your family and the people you love, would you look at your schedule this week and find two things you could take off of it? that don't really have to be done, they're not super important, and create some margin and some space so you can breathe a little bit and you could spend a little bit more intentional time. Sometimes we struggle because we forget that love is a choice. If you're married, if you're a parent, if you're a good neighbor, you wake up every day and have to choose to love. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I just feel like I wanna take out the trash, right? Does anybody just like, I'm feeling like taking out the trash would be so good. Like you choose to do it because you love people and you say, this is part of my job here. I take out the trash. This is part of what I do and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it hopefully with a smile on my face. Then I want you to remember as we think about the people that are easy to love, this is what you need to know. And this is a paradox and it's painful, but it's true probably for all of us. The people that are easiest to love, the people that we often love the most are also the easiest to hurt. And so we can do things, and we can say things that we would never say to someone else. And so what I wanna invite you to do in this season is be really conscious. Most of that is rooted for us in past trauma. The holidays bring up some emotions for some of us of loss, pain, or regret. There may be an empty seat at the table based on a broken relationship, or someone that's no longer with us. And it brings up some pain and some sorrow. And sometimes, you don't have to raise your hand, but sometimes we take it out on the wrong people. And so this is a season we wanna really guard that and say, let's, let's try to do our best to love well the people that are around us. Secondly, there are people, by the way, that are just hard to love. You don't have to say their names out loud right now, especially if they're in the room, but they're just harder to love. They can be people you disagree with. Probably everybody has someone that you work with that literally they were put there to teach you patience, right? They just are difficult and they always will be. You may have a family member that, um, that espouses political views that make you feel insane, right? And, uh, and what you're gonna have to learn to do is keep your mouth shut this Christmas, right? And just say... God bless you. Like, just find a little phrase you can turn and just keep moving. So what does it look at? Matthew 5, Jesus says this clearly, right? It, when he talks about loving all people, he says, you've been taught to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But I tell you this, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And he goes on and says, anybody, anybody can love the people that love them. It's the test of Christian love that says, I will love the people when I get nothing in return. If you work in customer service, you get a lot of opportunities to do this, right? I forget sometimes. You get on an airplane and you're reminded like, there are really difficult people in the world. <laughs> like, there are people that are really challenging. And my guess is you're going to encounter some of them. 
when they come, will you just say to them, my pastor mentioned I might run into you this Christmas. Like, <laughs> you don't have to tell them what it's about. Just say, you know what? You must be sent from God because my pastor said I would run into you. And now is my chance to show you love and kindness. It'll be a subtle turn of the knife, but they won't even know that it is. Um, and then lastly, this is what I want to invite you to do. This, this may be the hardest sometime and the things that most of us forget to do. What does it look like for us at Ecclesia particularly to love the people that we don't see? There are so many unseen in the world. And I got to tell you personally, um, this Christmas is really hard uh, for me. Um, it's hard because this story of a baby being born in Bethlehem to bring peace to all people. That baby was born under an oppressive regime, fled for his life with his parents to Egypt. And this year, it's just a little too on the nose that what's happening in Bethlehem and in Gaza and all across the West Bank, it's, um, it tests my longing belief that the world's going to be made right soon. And I want it to be made, made right, like really soon. If you've been to the Holy Land with, with me, you may know early groups, I took them to Bethlehem. And in recent years, I, I no longer take people to Bethlehem for a few reasons. One, it's hard for me personally. When you get to Bethlehem, this is what you see. You see walls and fences. And what you may not know until you actually spend time with people is that on one side of the wall, there's access to clean water and there's, uh, there's infrastructure. And on the other side of the wall, in fact, all through the West Bank, only 36% of the people that live in the West Bank in Palestinian territories have access to water that comes into their home. Now, that's an extreme level of poverty in a land that is really wealthy. And in fact, that water is being cut down every year. In fact, uh, water, whether you're a farmer or you're just a person, is is the scarcity of it is one of the consistent problems in that place, right? And, and there are, uh, in fact, if you were here at the beginning of the service, which you're Ecclesian, so probably only 10% of you were, uh, but Mitzi uh, shared with you a little bit about what the prophets do. And, and the, one of my favorite pieces of art uh, that's on these walls is, uh, this is a work from Banksy. Anybody recognize this work? So um, there's a few great mysteries in the world, the Trinity and the identity of Banksy and, a few other things. Nobody knows who Banksy really is, but this is what I'll tell you. Banksy is a prophet. So the passage you heard from Isaiah is a prophetic writing, and this is what the prophets do. So this, this piece, right, is it's supposed to tell you what's not, uh, what should be happening and what is happening. So this is a Palestinian that would be throwing a Molotov cocktail, but instead, right, they're throwing flowers. It, it's what the prophet Walter Brueggemann said the prophets do is the prophets step into the world and they paint a picture of the world as it is and as it should be. And then in between the tension of those things, we're called to go, how do we make the world a better place? I see this piece and I go, how do we make the world a place where people are throwing flowers instead of bombs? What do we have to do to be a part of that? Well, some of it will come to basic injustices, right? And things that need to be solved and remedied. And there's so much that needs to happen right now in the Middle East and everywhere else in the world. And so this is one of those seasons 
that we want to be a part. We can't do everything, but this is what we're going to do, just so you know. We're going to be buying meals for Palestinian churches in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem. So when they gather on Christmas Eve, so when you give, just give to the offering. I got to tell you, what our church does is amazing. And we do a lot with a little. We have some of the most talented people. If you give or you automate your giving, we just get to keep doing things like this, right? So when these churches in Palestine gather, we're not going to bring peace to Palestine right now. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to say, we see you and we love you. And they feel like the rest of the world has turned their back on them. And we're going to say, hey, we see you. We love you. We're standing with you. And here's some halal chicken and some lamb in the meantime, right? And we're going to walk through it together. To love all people means what we talked about with the kids, that we're going to bring clean water to people that desperately need it. I got to tell you, I feel like the luckiest pastor in the world. I got to gather in this room on Friday night <coughs> with 400 plus Ecclesians, right? And we, we got to roam around the room and drink some great wine and enjoy ourselves. And as we did, right, um, and tell stories of what was happening, uh, we got to raise money for some amazing clean water projects. So one of them, if you were here, you heard me tell the story. My cousin recently, his name's Aaron. I didn't have many cousins growing up, so we were close. And Aaron recently made his first trip to Africa. He went to Uganda. And when he went to Uganda, he came back saying the same thing I say to you all the time. He came back and he's like, Chris, they're drinking from ditches. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, why aren't we doing something? I'm like, we are, <laughs> we are, but we lose a sense of urgency. But what will happen to you when you go to Uganda and if you go to a place and you see a kid drink from a ditch, it's something's gonna click in you. You go, this is not okay. We're not gonna, and he came back like, we have to do something. So I said, okay, tell me where it is. Give me the coordinates. And we got our friends from Living Water out there and we've been waiting to hear back. Like, is there an easy solution, something we can do? And we learned on the day of wine to water, that we could drill two boreholes and pipe in a system that would hit about five or six of the communities all around there because it's a lot of people. And, uh, and the great thing is it's only $54,000 to bring clean water to a bunch of people. So instantly our goal for, for wine to water became $54,000 and we had a lot of great gifts. And guess what we raised on Friday night as we gathered and suffered together to drink wine? We raised $125,000. <laughs> And, and it's not over. That's just one of the projects we want to fund. So this is what you need to know. We want to be, be a part of a, a health clinic in, in Haiti. Um, we, we want to help fund a, a school. They need a well in Sierra Leone. Uh, there's a big community project in Honduras that needs multiple wells in a WASH program area. There's a community partnership in Uganda that requires something similar to this. It's basically a water tower that would store water and would bring it to several key points in the community. Those are expensive, but this is the deal, and you're going to hear about it if you come on Christmas Eve. Our church has drilled. I'll give you a total number when you come on Christmas Eve. We have drilled thousands of water wells over the last 15 years. We've had 25 years in existence. Most of them have been in the last 17, 18 years. Thousands of water wells. And th this is what I love about water wells. I tell people they're kind of like an old Mercedes diesel. Anybody ever, ever have a Mercedes diesel? They just don't quit. Don't buy one because if you, if you buy one, you might drive it forever because they last forever. I've been in Beirut and I got into a taxi one time and I'm like, and I would always ask when I get in those cars, like, how many miles do you have on this thing? And he said, I have 1,800,000 miles on it. I'm like, I guess it's been a good investment, right? He's like, yeah. Any of you put 800,000 miles even on a car, right? We just, we throw them away at 100,000. But this is the thing, they keep working. And this is what happens with a water well. If you maintain it, you replace some little parts, it'll keep working. And so water wells that we drilled 17 years ago, 
still bringing clean water today. And so I got to tell you, when we just keep adding to that, we're, we're building on the dream that a day will come that no kids are drinking from ditches or rivers or streams. And Ecclesia, that's what it looks like to love all. I want to be a part of a church that doesn't think they've got everything figured out. Nobody's better than anybody else. I love being at Wine to Water because people came in here and they're like, I thought if I went to church, like lightning would strike, but I'm here and I'm drinking wine and everybody seems to like me. So I guess it's okay, right? And that's the church I want to be a part of. But one that says, we're going to be aggressive and generous in loving all people because the love of God lives in us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.